Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What the? <laughs> I am ready to go today. <laughs> Hola. Bonjour. Ni hao. I can't take you. So anybody that's listening to this and can't see what we're describing, Oliver has basically turned up today in top hat and tails. I tried to put a monocle on, right? But it's too big. It's like. Hello. Jeez. You look like the Monopoly man. No, I don't. That's exactly what you look like. You look like the little Monopoly man. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Normal Not Normal uh, with me, Oliver Phelps. And me, James Phelps. And, of course, James Phelps right there. So, yes, yeah, so last week's episode, James completely stood me up by wearing a shirt, a tie, a waistcoat. So I thought, hang on, I'm not having this. Um, so I thought I will make the extra effort for our good friend, Ivana Lynch, today. But, James, in the meantime, what have you been up to this week? Uh, whatever. I, do you know, I've started boxing. Hey? There you go. I've started, not actually in a ring fighting song. I was going to say, bo- yeah. I've been boxing training. Is that like one-on-one or just something you've been doing on your own? No, there's a, there's a couple of us who have been doing it. Um, oh, I play golf with, actually, but we, we're all socially distancing, so it's a bit weird. But fortunately, a ring is kind of the perfect distance to stay apart aside from everybody. But it's quite nice being uh, able to learn the sweet science of uh, how to stand and all that kind of stuff. So that's been very, very fun. What have you yeah, been cool. up to? Okay. Uh, well, apart, from dressing, apart from dressing like the fat controller from Thomas the Tank Engine. Hey, I see. I see. On my railway, we keep it like this. Today's guest played Luna Lovegood in the Harry Potter films, and she's gone on to establish herself as a brilliant actor in films and TV. She actually did another TV show with us as well, but we'll talk about that later. She's super creative and actually made her own jewellery for the films, and now has her own podcast as well. Yeah, we've, we've put the link in the description for this podcast. It's called Chick Peeps. Very, very cool. Check it out. Yep, and she's also spent a lot of time campaigning for the causes that are really, really close to her heart. And on top of all of that, she even found time to do the amazing show Dancing with the Stars. And she's even found a bit of time to come on our show as well. It is, of course, Havana Lynch. So, Evie, thank you so much for joining us on our season three podcast, the uh, normal, not normal podcast, as we're calling it this season. So do you want to know roughly what we're getting at with the normal, not normal? Yeah, please tell me. Right. So how we're basically forming it is like my normal, James's normal and your normal are completely different things. So we're trying to dispel this whole terminology, I suppose, of, oh, yeah, it's a normal life. 
I don't mm. think there's any such thing as a normal life. Um, so I thought we'd just involve you in terms of what is your normality, as it were. So, you know, like, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, we've got a common normality in terms of being in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like, but I suppose going before that, like, so what was your normal? I'm going to stop doing normal before I do all that. Um, so what was your normal pre getting into Harry Potter? Like what was, what, what was life, oh. life like growing up? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's an interesting question. And I think it's such an interesting concept because people always say, I, I hear so many actors saying like, they refer to other people. Oh no, they just have a normal job. As if our, our job is like, yeah. it's just, we're not normal. I don't know. But I think, and I love that, that you're talking about this because I think you just find the more you meet actors, the more you're like, oh, they're just normal people. And that's what I really found out when I got in the Harry Potter films. Um, but yeah, so before the Potter films, my normal, I mean, I lived in the countryside, deep, deep countryside, ridiculous place called Herman Fekin. Like we didn't, our parents just kept buying us pets because we didn't have any other kids to play with and there was no bus to get into town. So where in Ireland is that? If I'm looking at a map of Ireland, whereabouts is it? It's on the East Coast, so about an hour north of Dublin, but it's still okay. the Republic of Ireland. So there, I had three siblings, and the norm was just, oh, my parents are teachers, and by now, most of my family are teachers, my siblings. But it's funny, like, growing up, my, my parents would always say, don't be a teacher, because they just, they, it was so much work. I think teachers, I think teachers are amazing, and they really do, they bring home their work. They can't not. Like my mom is always thinking about her students. She teaches children um, who have learning difficulties and every case is so different, so individual. And so she brings on a lot. It's almost like being a therapist. Um, So anyway, I grew up around that and very bookish family, very, very into reading. And um, yeah, that's kind of it. We just had loads of cats. Um, I went to drama classes every Wednesday, school. That was, that was my normal. So, so being like in the in the countryside in Ireland and mm. that part of uh, in that part of the country, did you get into like, like what was your outlet? As you say, you went to like drama classes and stuff like that. So, were you outgoing? Were you like the life and soul, or how is it? How how does it work in that, no. in that type of environment? No, no, no. I was so shy, um, very introverted. In a family of introverts, I think I was the most introverted. I would just like to be in my room, um, beading. I did a lot of art, so you know the things I made for the film. That was my big hobby uh like the jewelry things um that I was just so happy doing that I had friends but there was like only there were 17 people in our class so you had a limited array of friends <laughs> to pick mm. from um but yeah mostly just like art anything creative that got into drama because I found it really helped me overcome my shyness because I think people think with shy people they think oh you just don't want to talk or be involved but it's not that you really you, you want to connect and you I was really sensitive. So I really wanted to connect with people. And I found that just being given a script, it was like, oh, great. I don't have to think of what to say. I could just um, try on someone else. So yeah, that was really freeing. And that, that was my thing. But I mean, siblings as well, as you know, they keep you busy. There were so many of us. I mean, only oh, there's four of us, but at that age, everyone's loud. So you're having mm. to share your parents. Oh, me and my sister also used to go to piano lessons, various things, ballet classes. Yeah, very lucky. I did all the classes. And Harry Potter, of course. What drew you to Harry Potter? And uh, why is it why is it that really captivated you? Was it the characters? Was it, this, was it the scenarios? Tell us. I mean, that is the million dollar question. I, I just, oh yeah, I got utterly obsessed. So I read them first when I was eight. My mum... 
came home with a book from the library and she was like, oh, your aunt said this would be a good read. She said it's really good. And I was in a phase where I was reading Baby Sears Club books and I was like, I don't want to read about a boy in glasses. I was really in a girly phase. And anyway, but she was reading it to my brother um, one night before bed and I just was like, this is so good. And so I stole the book and just, I just fell into this world. And I, I mean, it was, I think it's just, the characters are so amazing. And I really felt like, oh, these are my people. These are my friends. And I felt so much comfort from it, so much inspiration. Yeah. And I've always loved fantasy for that, that it's, it's a different world and you can, yeah, it's really imaginative. But what's so beautiful about Harry Potter is that it's a different world, but the characters are so normal and like Harry's going through all the same things. And just that, that I think that thing that he feels that is such a universal feeling that he's just always like, why me? I'm, I'm not really anyone significant. I'm not talented. I don't have anything special. And yet I've been put into this role. And that's kind of something he grapples with throughout the whole series. And I really, I think he's such an underrated character. I think Harry's really the main role. You can't say he's yeah. the most underrated character. No, he is because people, whenever you say, oh, who's your favorite character? People say the more obscure ones like us, like our characters, but they never say Harry. And I just yeah, but he gets great. everything though, doesn't he? He does everything. Yeah, but he doesn't get much love for it. I don't know. I mean, granted, I mean, granted, he had a warlord trying to kill him uh, for everyone. Exactly. Really he had right. so much pressure on him <laughs> and he never had a choice. He didn't have his parents. I, I always feel like, you know, that scene in book five in Order of the Phoenix where he gets mad and smashes up Dumbledore's office. I love that scene. I'm like, finally, Harry, you're right. Damn straight. And I don't think that they made that scene angry enough in the films. That's one of my gripes. <laughs> Do you think it may be because, though, he ended up with his best friend's sister? And to my knowledge, yeah, I did mean, he ask permission I mean, to go on a date? This is getting a bit too personal. I can tell. <laughs> I've touched a nerve here. <laughs> We like it when people say our characters are the best characters, Evie. We're trying to fight yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. You, of course, you're wonderful. Um, and yeah, and I, I was really proud of like being a nerd about it. Like, I just wanted everyone to know me for being that biggest Harry Potter fan. And then mm. I started going online, started going on MuggleNet and discovered people who are just as obsessed as me. And I got really angry. I was like, no, I'm the best Harry Potter fan. But all these people were writing fanfic and doing all these quizzes and everything. So... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got to be honest. When we were filming, um, certainly the, the first, the first movie as well, because obviously we were still very young, I mean, and very new to the game as well. So we didn't realise how how the whole filming industry works. And obviously, we knew that they were going to be doing the change with secrets. So I've got to be honest. Uh, once or twice, we did have a look on a few of the forums just to see what people were, you know, what what ideas or rumours were in, were going about. Because sometimes, you know, be it like new cast or or mm -hmm. anything like that and they actually uh sometimes they'll be right so they suggest like you know we hear that julie walters is going to be mrs weasley oh wow. wow and then as it turned out they were they were correct on that so <gasps> so wait so, all that was such a big secret for a long time and you knew and it hadn't been announced no we saw we saw we well we no, we saw rumors of it when we were filming um right. and then because julie didn't join the cast until oh okay after we'd after we'd started you see so we weren't too sure who was going to be our mum, as it were. So when mm. we saw the rumours, we were like, oh, brilliant, that's, that's great. Um, but then other stuff, not so, it wasn't, I wouldn't say, as accurate. So I remember one time uh, we were looking up and it was about the Chamber of Secrets and they were talking about 
the music what what would be used for it and one of the top, one of the top ones was that limp biscuit were going to be doing the the title theme tune oh my god and i was like well, how's that going to work you know i don't know what was what music they could use for it apart from maybe the start of um a song my generation you know for the quidditch scene where they're like if only we can fly and then you probably couldn't use any other lyric what comes in that song mm. um so sometimes it was it made a lot of sense other times it made no sense at all you know but wow yeah, it was, it was that was such fun times as a fan that the rumors and like when cast photos yeah from my perspective being the one online looking up these things when they would do the first reveal of the character or Goblet of Fire when you all had the long edgy haircuts. It was just like, oh, wow, taking things in a new direction. And that was so <laughs> exciting as a fan to see those announcements and to be reading all the rumours. The first time I remember feeling very privileged to be on the know, as it were, when the first film was being made, I remember Oliver, myself and Luke Youngblood went to Chris Columbus's office just to say hi. And he literally said, oh, guys, check out this poster. And it was the owl poster, you know, the first one that they revealed. Mm-hmm. We didn't have anything on it apart from the owl holding the envelope. And I can remember that's when we were like, that's cool. We know what's going on before other people. Oh, my God. So when you say you're on forums beforehand, were you just reading or were you contributing to this? This would be this person would be great at this part or if they filmed it in this certain way? Um, bit of both. Mostly reading... Um, I actually did get into fan fiction for a little bit um, and who was I writing about? I was probably writing about Luna. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely a big part of the community. And that was why it was so weird when I got the parks. I was like, I know all the secrets. I couldn't, I felt like a bit of a traitor to my community that I couldn't tell them what was <laughs> Sell going out. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was, I was everything. I was, I was really involved in, and and I had had all these opinions on like who they would cast, and um, yeah, just how they would do things. I was definitely the annoying fan, being like, so why did you cut this scene out? You know, and it's like, oh, you have to explain that so many times. You can't do the whole book, but um, yeah, you take everything very personally as as a fan, all those decisions, and you kind of want to make the movie yourself. That would be a disaster. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, just the idea of just designing your own earrings mm. and stuff like that. Like that, I, I would as a, I'd never thought that I could do anything. What would be directly involved in the in the in the filming process, like 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 you did. So that's definitely something that I've not. I didn't even foresee. Oh, maybe you know, maybe we could do something for the sliding snack boxes, for example. Mm. That never even entered my mind in a million years. So, to, so it obviously shows that like, your creative output. And also, I suppose, the balls to go and say, can I, did you, oh, well, is that, first of all, did you, did you ask them, can I do that? Um, no. So I came to my first audition wearing those because I'd actually been Luna for the previous Halloween. So I had all my gear ready to ah, go. Cool. So I came wearing these and then I came to my screen test in another pair of earrings because they really liked them. Um, you know, I just, and I think, so it was their idea. I had my ideas, but they were like, they just liked that it looked really handmade and it wasn't, you know, it was a bit smudgy and just obviously made, yeah, by 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 a person, by Luna. Um, and they brought that more and more into her character. They let me design the lion hat as well. Um, I think that was just, but that was also a lot to do like them and David Yates. And that was yeah. what I loved about David Yates. He so involved you in the character. He was never going to just come over and tell you what to do, tell you how to feel. He was all about bringing the bits 
of the character out for you. And they even actually asked me to design, this is one of my biggest regrets about the movie, they asked me if I wanted to design the paintings on the inside of the Lovegood house, which weren't really seen in the movie, but they are a set and they were stunning. They they literally gave me these like um, the architecture the paper, the giant papers, so to, with all the dimensions and measurements, and they were like, "Have at it, paint the room if you want." And I was doing my um, A level equivalent. I was doing my leaving cert, and I think I just saw this, and I was like, "Oh no, this is way too serious. I can't do it." So I said no, and I was oh, like, "My no. leaving cert is more important." But it so wasn't. It I know. Wasn't. I know. Stay in school, kids, but something's really, really hard yeah, at the time. <laughs> once in a lifetime opportunity, but yeah, I didn't do that. But they were. Very, it was all them. They were always encouraging me to do more. So you just briefed on, you just mentioned that. Can you talk us through the audition process? Right. So it was an open audition. So, and I, I was going on MuggleNet every day and I actually had written to them, can I be Luna? Um, and they'd sent me a letter back being like, nice to hear from you. Thanks so much. I have this letter. I keep it. Cause I just like, it's just a special little artifact. And they did say, oh, you know, nationality comes into it and where you live. So they were kind of like, sorry, you're Irish, you know? And there was nothing in the books to say that Luna was Irish. They're still isn't um i don't i don't think jk rowling had written her that way so anyway i got this letter then being like polite you know we'll call you um and then and then i was but i was seeing i knew that they were casting her and i was seeing online that they were talking there was an interview david Heyman gave where he was like we have narrowed it down to five people but then they did an open audition i think as a last like oh let's just see what what's out there and um so i read about it on MuggleNet, I just begged my dad to bring me, and he was like, "Yeah, why not? Let the hell with it." Um, and my mom was very against me going because she was like, "Oh, if she goes and doesn't get this, like she will never recover." <laughs> and I think it would have been it would have been very hard to watch the movies and watch someone else play that part if I'd got close. Mm. Um, mm. So, but anyway, yeah, went went on. It was in London in the Methodist Hall in London and funny story my dad actually went back there a few years ago oh it was mortifying he went back he was like oh let's go back down memory lane and we went into the Methodist Hall and he literally went to some sort of priest do you know who this is and I was like dad this guy doesn't give a damn it's not like he was I'm, I've got my poster up in the Methodist Hall they just rented it out for a weekend and probably didn't know what it was even for but yeah he does that so it was in Methodist Hall and it was just thousands of people it was there was a lot went there at 8 a.m on a saturday morning and had to queue for like three or four hours mm -hmm. and um yeah it was very intense crazy and they but they had restrictions you had to be between the age of 13 and 16 and i was 14 um but the girl in front of me who queued for four hours as well she was 12 she was like six months off and so when we got to the front door they were like sorry they checked her passport and she was just gone oh. so it was very a lot to do with look and it was very just cutthroat at that time and then the next stage of the audition was literally got a bunch of the girls to line up we all had to step forward say our name and where we came from fiona weir was on stage with her casting person and they just like whispered and then they would pick out two or three people and I got picked and that was the moment where I was like that's so lucky like they're just deciding based on your height how you yeah. sound things yeah. you can't control yeah so it was harsh um and then the next room I got into was they actually gave the scene where Harry and Luna are talking about the Thestrals and they were like have a few minutes to look over it and um yeah had that had had a quick reading with um I think it was Alice or Lucy Lucy and then um, she was like, 
let's get Fiona in here. And Fiona was the person I'd been bombarding with letters. Like I knew all the crew's <laughs> names. So I was like, oh my God, it's getting serious, Fiona Weir. And she was really nice. And she asked me about my earrings and stuff. And they seemed interested, but I'd heard that thing that, and she was like, okay, well, we'll get in touch. I'd heard that actor thing as we're, we'll call you. Yeah, don't call us, thought, we'll call you type thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then I finally got out and my dad was really worried because he was like, all the girls came in and came out, but you didn't. I didn't, I was actually in there for quite a long time. Um, so we knew that that was a good sign. And yeah, that was it. That was my first audition. No, brilliant. And in terms of like the, um, the whole thing about in terms of like when you when you left the audition process or mm-hmm. when you when you went back to Ireland, should I say, um, from then. First, yeah. of all, had had you been to London before, or was yeah. that like the first? Yeah, thing? Once. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then after that, so when you was it just a case of okay, yeah, we'll be in touch because I remember when we left our it was probably our third or fourth audition, James, and I remember the casting assistant just said she was an American girl and she said, okay, have a nice life. Now in America, apparently that's it, or in California. Where, where, where I have a feeling it was from her case, house. Maybe. That's what they say. So I've never met. Yeah, I think so because I've spoken to people since, and they said, "No, no, that's 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 rubbish." <laughs> that's um, weird, yeah. But it's a case of like she was just saying, "Right, okay, well, you know, take care. We'll see. We'll speak to you. You know, see mm-hmm. you again or whatever." But we took that as have a nice life. Ah, what's well, that finished with? Yeah. <laughs> Back to school or whatever, um, and then that was it. So we kind of went from going from oh, we're we're here. No, we're not. And then luckily, what, a day later, we got a phone call back. So how long was it in between the two t- before you got a, a call or whatever saying It was we so see you quick. Again? The process for me was so quick. I think because you guys were due to start filming in three weeks and the open audition was just a last, let's see what's out there. I think they had people they were thinking about, but they just weren't sure. Um, and so it was really quick. So I went for the audition on the Saturday, got a call on the Monday. They said, come in for a screen test on the Friday. And then I found out, the next the Monday after that so it was less than two weeks I was very lucky and what was that like when you did you get I assume you got a phone call or your mum or dad got a phone call yeah I got a phone call um first from Fiona and then David Yates called me and I knew his name of course because I've been stalking him and then he was like <laughs> yeah Dan's gonna be in the audition and like my obsession with Dan was just on on another level I had his autograph I did I'd written to him I had all his form letters when you write, you know, dear yeah. fan, thank you so much. Um, so that was really, and they also said something really weird to me on that phone call that I was like, okay, this is serious. But Fiona goes to me, um, just don't shave your eyebrows. And I was like, what? And I think <laughs> my eyebrows were a bit wonky or something. I don't know. I tried some beauty trick where I like <laughs> snipped off bits. And when she said that, I was like, oh, they're really looking at me. They really mm. are quite interested. Um, so yeah, that was, but that was all very scary. And it was also like, I went to bed, posters all the way around my room. I went to bed, like gazing at Dan Emma Rupert. <laughs> so it was just so bizarre. I found it hard to talk to them. Were you then looking at those photos saying, we're going to be friends? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I absolutely was. I was convinced, but like, and I wasn't wrong. No. Well, I was I mean, no. I think like, Dan is so lovely, but we never got close because I think he was a bit like, we're going to keep you here. <laughs> and he was dead right to do that. Um, but I think, yeah, like reading the books, I was like, these are my people. And then I finally got there. But the hard thing was that when I finally got there, I didn't know how to talk to them because all I knew, like my whole life, mm. I just was obsessed. And like I'd ask 
Dan a question. I knew his cat's names. I knew his parents' name. So I just keep meeting people and I'd be like, I know who you are. And I didn't know how to tone it down. So um, yeah, it was, it was, it, I, I didn't really know how to socialize with you all. So where was the where was the the screen test? So the screen test is obviously when you go in, on a set and film it. Was it actually on one of the Potter? I suppose in Dumbledore's office. Yeah. Oh wow! Ah, cool. Yeah, it was in oh, the circular, wicked. beautiful office, and I did a little scene with Dan, and then they go, oh, and they dressed me up in costume, of course, and everything, and then um, and then David got me to improv, sent Dan away, and he said, just um, be Luna in the mm. office. What would she do? So I was just like. I was playing like a little skipping game and it, yeah, he was just really, he was really nice to facilitate just creativity. But you saying that thing about have a nice life. When I left the screen test, um, he handed me a signed book, Order of the Phoenix, which I was a bit like, as if I don't already have this, you know, why are you giving me this? And he, he signed it. Nice to meet you, David Yates. And I was like, that's it. That's goodbye. He's saying, Nice. Why would he say nice to meet me if he wants to cast me? Yeah, and that crushed me. I, I so, and we were in this. We were in the Grove Hotel, this fancy hotel, and I just cried and cried all evening. I didn't enjoy it at all. Yeah, it was it was it was horrible waiting for that phone call because it, it would have ruined Harry Potter for me. <laughs> well, I mean, how long was it in between? Yeah, how long would it be from again from the? Are we talking about hours or a day or so from the final? Screen test so to get in the call. So screen test on the Friday, and then I got the call telling me I got it on the Monday, so I didn't have to wait long. Just a weekend. But when yeah. you say either that you you weren't sure how to approach all the uh, the cast who are already in it, I yeah. guess it's exactly like if you're starting a new school. Everybody's always got, but this yeah. is a school which you've seen, you've you've seen, everybody you probably know more so. about everybody than everybody knows about each other already. Exactly. I was stalking everyone. So it was just like, suddenly I have to try and fit in and be professional. And so when people would be like, how are you? What do you like? I'd be like, you, you know? So it was just, (laughs) it was just, um, yeah. And I felt, I felt so inferior. It wasn't just that I was really obsessed with you all. I just felt like, oh, I fought so hard to get here. I've, I've willed myself here. I've manifested this, but now I just don't feel like I deserve it. I've, I've never had any acting training and just, I mean, even the fact that you're all English, I, I just felt, oh, they have this swag about them or something. Um, they, the English accent sounds more confident and authoritative. And I just, I didn't, I was really fine with the acting though. I will say that like, it was just plain. It was just switching on into Luna. It was when the, when, it was when the scenes were cut. I was just like, I don't know how to be a, an actor. I don't know what, like, you know, to be a celebrity when you just don't feel very worthy of that attention. It was very, very confronting. Yeah, so, I mean, th- there was a thing where, um, I mean, going back to a bit earlier, like we saw, a, we saw a quote from David Heyman saying about, you know, the other girls or the others could play Luna, uh, but Evie is Luna. So in terms of like actually getting on, getting on set, getting on set, as you say, and, and being the character and just playing as it were, and then when it yells cut, was it the shyness from when you were a bit younger, almost coming as a default? Yeah, it was just, I mean, and it actually really helped for playing Luna. 
like that I did weird people out quite a lot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she is spacey. Um, I I actually I don't I don't agree with David Heyman. I think I was quite different to Luna, and I think that's why I loved her so much because I I think I was quite negative and I would be very hard on myself. And I found she was so self accepting, and that was really radical to me. And I wanted to be more of that. Um, so I think. Yeah, it was kind of good to have that a little bit of separation from the cast for that reason. Um, but it was lonely. Um, and I think and I think it was also that, yeah, I wasn't popular at all. And not I suppose not many of us were like we weren't we weren't stage school kids, anyone. But um, I was just so used to like at lunchtimes, I would read a book sometimes or and not, not because nobody would talk to me, but that's just who I was, really. Um, so to suddenly yeah I, I don't know I just felt everyone was so cool and so confident and I just it, it it was I got to sit with all the cool kids and I didn't I hadn't earned it you know mm. yeah which is funny to hear because like when we were filming it I'd say if anything we were probably the furthest from that in terms of being like the cool collector kids because we were all separated from our normality of regular schooling or whatever like that mm. whereas to so say on the on the fifth movie, I mean, would that have been James? Would we be making crossbows and stuff by then, or would we throw the balling it or something like that? Yeah, we were always hanging out. We were hanging out with in Rupert's dressing room at the end of the corridor because he, he had the biggest dressing room out of the three of us. And I remember they bought him a dartboard because we kept disappearing all over the studio. Do you remember this? And then they bought him a dartboard once to keep us basically in there just playing darts. But that got a bit boring, so we decided to make a crossbow. And we're playing darts with a crossbow. Oh my God. To which, to which I remember one day, um, someone quite high up walked into the the room. High up, she wrote the book. Look, yes. are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Just looked what was going on and turned around and walked back out. Oh my God, that's so great! What a cool story! Wow. Um, yeah, I so thought she loved it though. That's so your characters. I don't know. I love when there are parallels like that. I mean, <laughs> even I even love that you're hosting a podcast because, like in the books, they do Potter yeah. Watch. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. cool these exactly, parallels. Yeah. So yeah. we were. Um, it was kind of just. An, I suppose it was just a natural progression. But I think that's where, like, yeah, maybe the characters did come into a bit of a minor there, almost seep in. You could call it call it method, call it what you want to. But it was more a case of we were trying to relieve the boredom. And what's the easiest way <laughs> to relieve the boredom? when no one will say, please don't do that. Um, and you weren't in school, you guys. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah. So basic- but, but yeah, we'd be acting the most immature of everybody. Like, we'd do, like, stupid... Like, looking back, some of the stuff we did was absolutely stupid. Um, <laughs> Actually, no, tell a lie. I got I got a, um, a qualification in English literature on that did song. Did you? Whoa. I did. Mm. Go yep. you. Yeah, well done. You actually look kind of like an English professor in your He does, doesn't he? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I'm going for. Oliver, Oliver looks for some... I don't know what he looks like today, but... <clears throat> you look like you could be in Weasley's Wizard Weezers. That's definitely... That's it. I've just, stepped out. I've, just stepped, I've just stepped in from the uh, the shop floor at the moment. Yeah. Uh, everything's going online right now, so I've got to watch the, out, the outgoing stuff. <laughs> yeah. All the hours are rocking up to deliver. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast to bring to you... Questions from the listeners. You could say that a bit more enthusiastically. Okay. Well, to be honest, the one thing going through my head, because remember in Ren and Stimpy where they used to do that when they used to... We interrupt this broadcast to bring to you some... Something yeah. like that. Okay, let's, let's, let's do this nicely. Hello, it's time for that part of the show again where we interrupt our talking with Ivana so we can bring you your questions of today. And the first question 
says this. Hi, my name is Hadas and I'm from Israel and I have a question for you both. What do you think your jobs would be if you were not actors? That's, that's a very good one. Uh, I always wanted to be a fireman. Very good. I think I was watching Fireman Sam as a kid. I would be a pilot of, well, planes. Okay. As opposed to? A helicopter? Well, no. Well, I don't like helicopters. I've been in quite a few of them, but I always think, right, it's a bit morbid. But if a, if an aeroplane, right, if the engine packs in, it's a glider. If a helicopter engine packs in, you're technically in a stone. Yeah, but then they they can make it work because they spin the helicopter the other way. So the, the blade, so that it's still perfect. Yeah, but I'd still, yeah, but I'd still rather be in a plane where the engine. I mean, I would, I'd rather be in something that's working properly, to be honest with you. So anyway, moving on, moving on. Next question, James. This from Ariana on Twitter, and she asks: While filming a scene, have you ever called each other your actual name instead of the character name? Me personally, Ariana, I've done the complete opposite. Whereas I've still referred to the person as their character instead of their actual name. To this day, I did a stage show a couple of years ago, and to this day, I still call the one guy Peg instead of his real name, Paul. So, yeah. Jolly good. And we have a very interesting audio recording. Here it is. I have a question. And yes, Oliver, I do expect a rant. How do you two feel about lemon chicken? Or, as it's more commonly known, engagement chicken? Apparently this is if you want to get engaged, which of course doesn't apply to you two, then usually you make this chicken and you get proposed to. But yeah, so I just want to know your thoughts and rant on lemon chicken. I like it. I like it how she was expecting a rant from that. But I think my only rant would be I've never ever heard of an engagement dish. Should I tell you what tastes good with chicken? You say pineapple, you can... I was going to say pineapple. Pineapple is unreal with chicken. No, I mean I don't have a, I don't have any issue at all with lemon chicken. I've, my issue is somebody calling a dish something engagement, which is just let, let, let's let's face it. Okay, let's let's have a little history lesson here. I would have thought right. The only reason this happened is that somebody forgot to buy an engagement ring. Uh, sorry, I haven't, I haven't got you a, a ring, but where I'm from, we we present this food, this lemon and chicken dish together as a, sh- as a show of our love. And maybe, who knows, maybe she left with some lemon rind. No, I've got it. I've got it. It would That's have been, there'd, there'd been on a date, the, uh, let's, let's say for this, this example, the lady was cooking for him. She came out, but made this un- unbelievable, like the world's best ever tasting lemon chicken. And he jokingly mm-hmm. said, oh, marry me now. And she took it the wrong way, and then they ended up getting engaged and married, and now they're very happy living ever after. That's my theory. Yeah. So anyway, so I think we've established it's nonsense. (laughs) Number four is from McKenna. And McKenna says, I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. Very nice. But I'm currently living in Salt Lake City, Utah, which I have to say is one of the prettiest cities in the world. I'm sure it's very easy to get typecast as twins for movies and such, but do you prefer to work together or individually? Um, <clears throat> individually yeah probably individually really yeah it's fun. <laughs> mm. Very good. it depends I see I'd, I wouldn't I wouldn't see it as being typecast it's just another string to the bow because I think I think when people meet us we're, we're pretty different aren't we 
Especially if you're ranting about lemon chicken. You can be found in craft catering kicking I wasn't off. I wasn't I wasn't moaning about lemon chicken. I was moaning about the fact that somebody was saying, Oh look, here's a dish. Let's get married. Very I'm good. sorry, but if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, you're an idiot. There I said it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, here are did you knows that you guys sent in to us. Now, this one was sent in both by Hazel from Turkey and Alondra. Did you know that even Stephen King was freaked out by Dolores Umbridge? He says in a review of The Order of the Phoenix, the gently smiling Dolores Umbridge with her girlish voice, toad-like face and clutching stubby fingers is the greatest make-believe villain to come along since Hannibal Lecter. (laughs) Wow, that's something, isn't it? Good one, isn't it? Good bit of praise, that. Oh, yeah, that is, isn't it? Very good. I would, I, do you know? I'd completely agree because there's nothing worse than a nasty teacher. Mary sent in a did you know? And I have to say that it is a little sad, but it is very true. So, did you know that hedgehogs influence the shape of ice cream cups on top of a McFlurry? When they're eating the remnants of ice cream from the cups, their heads got stuck in them and obviously bad things happen. So therefore, in 2006, they made a hole in the cup smaller so the hedgehogs could not stick their heads through. <sighs> and she's sorry for upsetting you. But that comes into the point that we were speaking to Seven with last week about how yeah. it's easy, it's so easy just not to litter. Yeah. How often is it that you drive past somewhere like that and you see all this rubbish everywhere? It's so easy, just put it in the bin because not only is it ugly to look at, it could harm and kill nature. Very easy to do, just put it in the bin and there you go. Equally, McDonald's, why not make a biodegradable bit of plastic? Just saying. Go on, next fact. My name is Rebecca from Dumfries in Scotland. Did you know that there are a small island called Disappointment Island within the country of New Zealand? Also, did you know I got engaged to my fiance Scott on Oliver's Twitch live stream in April? And I bet you one thing as well. Congratulations as well, by the way, Scott and Rebecca. I hope it went really well. Did Scott use a chicken? Yeah, I bet there was no chicken involved in that proposal. As I say, I remember it very well. We were doing a live stream game of me, um, yeah, playing golf. And it all came up on there. Congratulations, guys. I hope the wedding planning is coming very, very well. And the last one today is from Kaya in Victoria, Australia. This is a fascinating one. So did you know that when a huge power outage occurred in Southern California in the 1990s, Los Angeles residents called 911 to express alarm about a strange cloud that was hovering over the sky? Little did they know that they were actually seeing the Milky Way for the first time because there was no light pollution. Oh my gosh. That wins today. So thank you so much for that, Kaya. You can never be a good space fact. Thank you very much. So guys, thank you for sending those in and keep them coming. The email is normalnotnormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's normalnotnormalpodcast at gmail.com. Or tweet us using the hashtags normalnotnormal and did you know. And if you're under 18 and sending us a voice note or jingle, Please, please, please get permission from your parent or guardian first. Okay, back to Evie. So you got the call on the Monday. 
Did you tell your friends straight away or did you wait until you got back? Or... Yeah, I wasn't allowed. Um, so I, the, mem- the place I was standing, it was after school and I was checking my phone all day. I was like, I, I literally thought if I miss this call, they'll think I don't want the part and they'll give it to someone else. So I was so anxious. Yeah. But the, she called me about half four. Fiona told me my mom and sister were in the car and I just went, and they were like, what? And so then um, Vanessa, you know, the PR uh, um, yep. publicist, she yep. she said, so we have to curate this announcement. Um, you have to wait 10 days. Um, so I couldn't tell anyone. So I told my whole family and we all had cake that evening. But I also did my homework that evening because I was like, if I don't do my homework, I was uh, it, it would yeah. be weird. My, yeah. my teachers would not would have been like, are you sick? So um, I did my French homework. And yeah, didn't tell. I think I started. I also had a lot of pen pals. I was that weird kid. I, I, I joined a pen pal club. So I remember I wrote to my pen pals before the announcement because I was like, by the time they get it, it'll be out. So, um, yeah, I did things like that. Oh, but brilliant. I didn't tell my friends till like the day before a few friends. Yeah. Did you we did you rock up to school the next day with sunglasses on? And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I rocked up with a bodyguard. Did you have to <laughs> He was so annoying. He was waiting outside my classrooms and tailing me everywhere. Did you have that? No. I probably needed yeah. it sometimes at my school, but no. You are ki- you're kidding though. I'm really? not kidding. I they they sent me a bodyguard. Really? Yes, because there was so much media coming to the school. And literally, he would meet me out, out of classes and escort me around. It was so, I mean, it was kind of cool. It was kind of rock and was roll. He like form, was he former special service? Yeah. Something like that, but yeah. bald guy, you know, like burly kind of guy. He'd walk around, he'd walk around like speaking into his, uh, his sleep. Um, yeah, Evie is just leaving the lunchroom. <laughs> on our way to French yeah yeah um and they even had they also had two cars so they didn't want my photo me getting photographed and that getting out um so we had a decoy car we had a car that would pick my sisters up and they went and so the photographers would follow them and then me and the other car it's so funny wow <laughs> yeah oh I'm sad you didn't ever have a bodyguard that was an I'm, experience no I mean we well, we we had bodyguards when we went on the the promo tours yeah the tours yeah but never at school or anything like that that's uh that's crazy <laughs> and was we that... did. god you could have had so much fun yeah, yeah I know I'd probably just look at him and go remember you see see that kid over there yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah didn't think about that yeah, so that was a weird day. Like, they announced it in school over the intercom. And also, like, yeah, when I first walked in, there was, like, everyone was lined up at the windows and they were so excited. Yeah, it was just, I mean, nothing like that ever happens in Ireland. So it was, we were excited. That's cool. Especially though that the school was so proud of it as well, to announce it to everybody and, and stuff like that. That's really cool. Too. I mean, we got nothing like that. Did you not? To no. be fair, we didn't try. We didn't try too far. I couldn't care less. Well, was that because the films weren't big then? So, like, they didn't even know what it would be? No, I'd, I'd say our school's no. mentality, uh, definitely the, I'd say the students were, you Great. could have come and created a, <laughs> a um, cure for world hunger and everybody would be like, well, well done. Wow. <laughs> That's so, sad. Not that, that, not that it's a bad thing. Maybe it is, uh, but equally, we, I think that's maybe why we don't go for big attention a lot of times. Hmm. He says, look at Oliver dressed like that. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> what was it like telling your friends and telling like the people online who you've made friends with and everything mm-hmm. like that, that that's what you were going into? Mm. Well, it was weird because there were a bunch of people who I told before I'd gone for any audition that I was going to play the part. 
I was like, I'm going to be, I really was quite, I was just like, if I can just get there and they can see me, I know Luna. I was like, I've got the best interpretation of her. So it was weird. There was a girl on my bus who I'd be like, I'm definitely going to be in a Harry Potter film. And she'd just be like, yeah, okay. So that was satisfying to be like, no, you know, here is the news round announcement. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so it was telling my friends. I mean, they were all so excited and they were all like, whoa, this is your obsession. And they were all like, what are you going to say to Daniel Radcliffe? And everyone was like, are you going to take down all your posters? Like my room was so dark. I, I actually had a pink, pink paint, like it was pink walls, but it, it was black because of all the posters. There was just not an inch. I was actually at the point when I got the part, I was like, I think I'm going to have to start putting things on the ceiling now. It was just so, so I didn't take them down for that film because I was really proud of my collection. But by the sixth film, I took them down. I was like, this is too much. This is too weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose at least, at least the cool thing is though, that when the fifth one came out, you were on the poster. Yeah, yeah. I did put me on one of my walls. Yeah, I mean, who does it? I mean, I'm doing it right now. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool thing to do. Of course, yeah. Do you have anything in your house right now of Potter on your wall? Yes, I... Oh, not on my wall. Or in general? I've got... I've got my Spectre specs. Um, Oh, I've got a picture of Luna right over there, actually. I've got... I do have George's missing ear somewhere. Oh wow! Yeah, it's um, oh, gross. He's, he's, yeah, it's on the wall uh, upstairs. <laughs> Just pinned well, there. <laughs> well, no, it's in a it's in a, it's in a frame. But they uh, because oh. they well they 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 would make a new one every day. So wow! I asked for they they made molds of my feet for one scene, even though we didn't end up using them. And I asked for them, and they wouldn't let me have them. And they are on exhibition. Like everything, they're like. No, we're gonna we're gonna put it out there and. I think they always money. knew they were gonna do that, didn't they? I mean, I do I do have a bust of my head though still. Oh, cool. Yeah, wow. I've got it in here actually. Why did you have your head cast? For the ear. For the whole ear. Yep. So for this little bit of the ear, they they basically filled out, did a, a copy of my whole head, oh my and then from that they build it up, so they knew exactly what to work. How much of your your whole ear is gone, right? In, yeah, the whole lot. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so it was a little hole. I actually found some photos. Oh the other day of the original design for when George gets it knocked off, how bloody and gory it was. And it was like singed hair. There was, it was like Whoa. blood everywhere. But they were told, I think it was going to turn the film to an, a 15 rating if it, oh, really? if they used that at least. Yeah, so they, they, they had to dumb it down a bit in the actual scene. I think they should make a Netflix series of the books and just do every chapter and we'll work forever and we'll get lots of Botox so nobody will age. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Speak for yourself. Yeah. I'm all right. <laughs> You're all right. You can be a teacher with that one, James. You'll be all right. Oh, thanks. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I ask, did you like Did you like your characters? Were they your favourite characters? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Mainly because, I think two reasons. One, because they were very, I suppose, sarcastic and also very much the joking force of it, which is obviously an attractive trait. And also being an identical twin, you gravitate to people who are like you. And that's... Yeah. That was very much how I, how I saw the characters. So when it became to, got to the point to where we had the chance to audition for them, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal to be able to, do that if you know what I mean. It was very much a case of, ah, oh, cool, yeah, we'll just, uh, all right, I know, I know what these guys can do, and we were kind of it as well. Yeah, but you say that, but I was, I, I was gonna say I was a lot like you said, Evie, that I was very shy. And so playing a character which was quite outgoing was wow something new. 
And um, I would I would say I was very shy for at least one and a half films. Really? Huh. And I was always worried that people think I was quite um, arrogant or whatever, but I wasn't. I was, Exactly mm. like you were saying, I wasn't. I was just, I didn't want to put my foot in it. If oh attention gosh. ever came my way, I knew I'd drop the ball and say something really silly. And did it help <laughs> you playing Fred? Yes, definitely. It brought you out well. Definitely. I have a question. How did you guys decide who would play who? Did you have a preference from reading the books? Um, no, they, so how it actually worked was they, they uh, just before the final, the first read-through, and we're talking five minutes before we're supposed to start, we still had no idea who was Fred and who was George. So we asked Janet Hutchinson, who is the main casting director, you know, who's, who's Fred and who's George? And she said, are you you're kidding? That's no. a great one. A good, good one. Good one. Really don't know. So she, we saw her. Well, it was in, and those are the days before we used to do the read through in the Great Hall. It was done in the as you go into the old Leeson Studios. There was like that office space at the top at the top end where you could rent out type thing. And it was in a, it was in there, and it was a big square table. So you saw Janet walk around to the other side, pretty much. And there was uh, J.K. Rowling, David. Uh, who was there? David Heyman. David Heyman, Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus. And you see. Janet just suddenly dip in and start talking. They 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 look to each other to have a little discussion, and then we're talking like a twenty second discussion, if that. And then Janet walks back around and says, "Right, okay, uh, James, you're Fred, Oliver, you're George." Now we always like to think they're just oh, you didn't get the memo about the huge meeting we had in Burbank with like fifty people on the call. Um, but in hindsight, it was probably either Chris, David, or uh, J.K. Rowling just saying, "I don't know, um, James is Fred." So that that that, that could right. be how it is. We'll never know. Some things I think will never be known. Because I I there's no way she didn't have a clear idea of how distinct the characters are. Because it's hard in the books because they always talk together and like finish each other's sentences. But Joe would have known what's you know what where they where they diverge a lot where they differ. Yeah, I think I imagine it was her. I like to think so. I like yeah. to think so. Yeah. Um. And we. Sorry for hijacking the interview, but okay. how, how did you feel when when Fred died? I've had better days. <laughs> it was one of those, isn't it? That. Oh, that sounded really cool. Um. No. I. How did I feel? I came. But I was more confused. I was, I was shocked by reading what had happened. Were you shocked? Yeah. Because his death yeah. is so annoying. It's like the room explodes and then he's dead. And, and you're he's like, gone. No. You're like, uh, he's not dead. The thing was, I was I was reading it and I was shocked at what had happened. I was shocked at how shocked I was because until that point, I hadn't realised how attached I'd got to the character. <gasps> wow. And I think the the last book came out when we we just finished filming the fifth one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's one, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I had no idea that is how I was... I was leaning towards the character, so that was that was a bit a bit of a funny thing. But then I thought, at least it's the last one. If it was, <laughs> at least I've been out. There's there's still two more films I can film to do it. That's so true. And you know, I actually some like I forget that Fred died because we never had a book without him. We never really had to experience his absence or or grieve. So it's, it's, it, I mean, it's so tragic. Like, imagine, it would have been awful if there was another film and you were just sat at home. Well, as long as he comes back as a ghost. Okay, yeah, which he would. I was always guessing it didn't make it into the, the final film, um, the actual scene, because I remember yeah. we actually went and met with the directors, didn't we, with, with David, and said, you know, you, why, why, why is this not in there? 
and just stuff like that. So what did they just, say? Yeah, they, I think it was. A, I think there's a few things. I won't go into it, but it was all very. I mean, it wasn't like there was tantrums or anything like that. It was very well explained. But then they then went and added the scene when Fred and George are looking out over the battle. Mm. Yeah, and which was literally right, uh, the last. It was one of the last scenes they filmed on the whole film because they'd shown it. I think they'd already done the tester. And the thing was, we need to tee up Fred and George like for what's going to happen type thing. Because I think obviously a lot of people knew what happened, and it was where where was that? So it's kind of like a, I suppose a family friendlier version of it. I think so, but wasn't it wasn't it also that with the way that ratings are, you can there can only be so many deaths before it gets put into really? a higher grading or something like that. I'll actually, physically show something happens. So. Because it's quite a, a gruesome one when you think about it, the last one. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that was kind of the story on that. Aww. But like I say, how how the Davids explained it to me was very amicable, and I was very okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it's hard not to. It's hard to do it without um, trying to put your own. Yeah, you need to see the vision of the product of the project, don't you? Uh, like you, you, yeah, you want to see the as it's you want to try and be a team player in what will work for every everything in that regard, mm. not just where's my death scene gone. Well, but no, but you also want <laughs> to honor the characters that so many people love, and we've been on this huge journey with. That's why I was always so upset that they didn't have a funeral for Dumbledore because it's like all he did, all he meant to Harry, all he gave. Well, no, we <sighs> we, we recorded one, didn't we? But it wasn't there wasn't a coffin or anything. No, we had um the ones up thing. No, no, we did. We did one in the Great Hall. You're you're messing with me. We did. I wasn't invited. We did. We did no. one in the Great Hall. What? Yeah, I remember no, I'd cry. I remember. I remember I had eucalypts in my eyes. No, crying. this is one of those things where you're pretending, aren't you? No, they did. But there was no. But there wasn't a coffin there because, yeah, it was like a memorial. It was like a memorial. No. Why wasn't I there? You were there. I wasn't. I'm sure you are. You would have been there. <laughs> no, we definitely did that thing where we all had to put our wands up and they CGI tears onto me because the scene wasn't sad enough. But we didn't have a memorial. We did. We definitely did. It was all lined up. Because Show they it got, to me. What? They took, they, took, right, they took away all the tables in the Great Hall and then put all the benches like horizontally. And then staggered it back, so it was almost like a traditional. And school what Michael hall, Gambon well. was on a plinth or something? No, he wasn't there. No, he wasn't there. It was it was literally it was like a memorial service, so there wasn't a coffin or anything like that there. Are you sure you're referring to the right film? Is it in the film? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't know. We have to edit this because I haven't seen this film in a long time. <laughs> I, can't I think that. this is hilarious. No. No, because I even went to David Heyman's office as a fan. I was like, right, gotta speak up for my community. And I was like, really need Dumbledore really needs to have a funeral. In the books, he has mermaids, he has centaurs, everyone, the whole wizarding community unites and gives him a send-off. And David Heyman was like, It's just too expensive. And I was I actually was like, take some of my paycheck because I think it's worth it. And he was like, It wouldn't cover it. <laughs> Are you thinking about Cedric Diggory? Yeah, I think I am. Okay, yeah. That's definitely, there's definitely a moment, remember. Yeah, I think that's what I'm getting confused from, yeah. Yeah, because the Dumbledore scene was the one where we did it outside, wasn't it? Yes, outside. The one that Ivana remembers, yeah. Yeah, and that was a a reshoot, (laughs) wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, you had me going there. Whoa. (laughs) Anyway, aside aside from that one, what was your favourite scene to shoot? 
Oh, um, <laughs> favorite scene ever. Oh, I love the wedding scenes. So much fun. I really loved group scenes because you could get lost in it and forget it was a movie or a scene. And there was so much going on, especially like those older actors with the beards. Mm. They were just very interesting people to talk to, weren't they? Because mm-hmm. they were, they were muggle wizards, really. Like they were, they had those odd personalities and like, so they were interesting. And also I loved being on set with my dad, my, my love good dad, uh, Risa fans. Because it was so nice because I think I was so used to being, you know, the one, the character who sticks out a little bit. She's always wearing bright purple and turquoise and things. And then I saw him. I remember seeing him for the first time and he was dressed in his yellow robes. And I just felt this like, oh, I really felt, dad, that's him. And so it was very nice to have someone, yeah, another love good on the set. And we did that little dance together. Yeah, dancing, and it, yeah. it was just very playful. Yeah. And I didn't feel the pressure from other scenes when you've got like a big scene. Yeah, that was funny. I, I almost ruined that scene. So? before it started because you, you remember how that's for bill and fleur's wedding wasn't yeah. it mm-hmm. and it was in like a big tent and i tripped on one of the guy ropes one of the guide ropes outside of the <gasps> tent and i tripped and fell onto another one and almost pulled two or three of them out as i went oh my gosh you almost brought the tent down well i i could have done you'd have been that person at the wedding you know yeah exactly but you know when you try and style something off and you think no one's seen it <laughs> But then half the crew were obviously watching. They're like, oh my! Luckily, they quickly ran to help out the situation. I don't think anyone was any the wiser, but yeah. I definitely uh, I looked a bit sheepish for the rest of that day. Mm. Oh my gosh! And there was always a million eyes on you. Like whatever, if you moved your hair, there'd be someone go. <laughs> yep. You weren't. You didn't belong to yourself <laughs> on the set. <laughs> You know when the first, when say the fifth film came out, and you started to get recognised from people, you start getting, I assume, getting, getting fan mail and stuff like that. What was that transition like? Was that almost like, did you have any prep work as to uh, this may happen or this may happen, or is it just a case of, wow, here it is? Yeah, not really. And I wish that was the only thing. Like they were so protective of us and so nice, and they really helped us with all the press stuff. Um, but. I wish there had been more help on like just how to manage your life and around people. Um, I think I went to a summer camp the summer that the movie came out and that was when it really changed because I before I was just so used to being the odd one and you'd find your odd other people in the crowd and they would be your friends. And at this summer camp, everyone was really interested in me and really nice to me. And I suddenly found, whoa, I've got too many friends. And that was a bit of like a high at first because when you are not a popular kid and suddenly you are, you're, you just, yeah, I think I, I, I overdid it a bit and I probably, um, I was so naive. I, I just, there were a lot of people who were just, you know, not real friends, but I just tried to be friends with everyone. And then I think after some time, it does make you more wary. Like you, you, you aren't as open or as naive as you can't be because otherwise people will take advantage of you. Um, and I think, yeah, after, uh, and I'm still like this. If I meet someone and they are way too nice to me or way too eager to be friends, I'm like, you stay there, you know? Um, so that was a process because, yeah, at first I wasn't. And so I, yeah, I let in a lot of people who were just not the right people to be hanging out with. 
And yeah, fan mail. God, that's a whole other thing. I wish somebody had taught me how to do fan mail. It was, nobody did. Everyone kind of did it themselves. But when I first started writing to them, I would, I would spend hours because I would be like, I know how much it meant to me because I used to write to J.K. Rowling and she wrote back to me. Like, that's a whole other story. But I know how much it means to get a letter or to get even Dan Radcliffe's form letter. It was just, it made your day. It was so special. It gave you hope um, for your own dreams. So I would spend a very long time writing emails back to people. No, not emails, letters. Mm. And then it got to a point where it was like, oh, I'm spending more time on fan mail than I am with my friends. So I think there has to be a boundary. And, and I do find it hard to engage with fan mail and not give too much of myself. I find it hard to even do like, you know, a, a polite message because it feels kind of cold. So now my dad does it and he loves it because he's such a people person. He loves making people happy and he doesn't get as involved with them. Yeah, mm. he's great. So if anyone ever gets fan mail from me, it's because of my dad. He's great. Yeah, <laughs> I think that, as you say, you need to have someone managing it because we, uh, we, we James and I were very lucky. Our, our granddad took up the mantle of that. Like when it first started coming in, he was like, right, okay, let's do that. And he had a full order. He'd, he'd say to us, right, okay, we need to do, you need to sign this many stuff for people. This and year I've gone through it. And then when he unfortunately passed away, my uh, his wife, my nan, took up the mantle. And then she did it. Wow. She did it for years and years afterwards as well and then unfortunately when when she passed away it kind of without sounding horrible to people who write to us it kind of lost the the magic doing yeah. it like that was it was such a nice thing to do and it was just like they were very structured in how they did things especially well especially nan when she did it it was very much a case of right okay if there isn't a self-stamped self envelope or a um reply coupon sorry we're not doing that one um this and that type of thing and it was just nice to it was it was amazing to share people with that as well i think because my well my granddad he, he fought in um in in the second world war over in the far east and it was amazing how the the fan mail that we received from from japan Obviously, you know, the, he grew up fighting those, those, uh, the Japanese and it totally changed his perception of Japanese people and culture. Wow, really? Oh, cool. And it's, it's, yes, it's, it's amazing that it does that because I always remember saying, you know, in terms of politeness and in terms of just yeah. the calligraphy and the... The care they put into their exactly, letters. Exactly, yeah. so beautifully done, yeah. My dad has a system like that. He ranks them in order of politeness. He has one to five. And actually, and please, your listeners, don't take this the wrong way. I absolutely love France. I love French people. But the fan mail has made my dad prejudiced against Fran French people. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because they're always so direct. They say what they want. I want two photos of you. Thank you very much. And so he literally, like, we'll be doing fan mail. He goes, no, another French one. He'll be like, and it's like, Dad, that person is speaking a second language. And they're also 10 years old. But it's made him really, um, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't get, have much time for the French fan letters now. I'm sorry to say. But I do fight for them. I do try and get them put back in the nice pile. People of France. People of France. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, your dad is amazing though, Evie. He's I so get, great. Yeah. I cannot wait until after lockdown. I still am coming to a hurling game with him. <gasps> he would love it. He was so set on that. Honestly, that's that's on my list. Please go. He would love it. And he also, he's just a really fun person to go to those matches with because he goes crazy. He screams and whoops and everything. He's very ebullient, uh, passionate about that. And yeah, and he was set. I remember you said that and he was so excited. He was like, I think he's really going to come. So mm. please do go. He would love it. 
So guys, thank you very much for listening for part one here with yeah, Evie Lynch. We're having such a good time. We're going to split this into two. So part two will be round the corner in a couple of days' time, so please check that out. Until then, thank you for listening. Stay safe and see you then. Normal Not Normal is a stable production. <laughs>